I want to ask you a serious question. Do you feel a little stuck in your two-person scenes? Do you feel like you're doing the same scenes over and over again, like every scene you do is about a roommate? Well, if you answer yes, then I want to help. And the best way I know how to help you is by letting you know that I will be teaching my two-person scene tune-up one-day workshop on Saturday, December 30th, here in Chicago. I limit this to 14 people so you get personal attention. To register or for more information, just go to my website at jimmycorain.com. Also, if you're a seasoned improviser, an actor, or new to improv, I just want to let you know I'll be starting my next Artist Low Comedy Level 1 class on January 10th at Green Shirt Studios here in Chicago. I also limit this to 10 people so you get personal attention. And to register or for more information, just go to my website, jimmycorain.com. Rachel Dratch, and you're listening to Improv Nerd. Jimmy, Jimmy Corain, Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Jimmy Corain's an improv nerd. Jimmy Corain's a nerd. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another great episode of Improv Nerd. And we have got a really, really special one for you today. Our guest today is Rachel Dratch. You know her from seven seasons on Saturday Night Live, doing such memorable characters as Debbie Downer, the teenagers from Boston, and Lovers. In this live show, which was taped at a packed house at the Second City Main Stage in Chicago for the Chicago Improv Festival, we talked to Rachel about how she learned to build her confidence in improvisation by doing tons and tons of reps, how creating in the downtimes have always led to good things for her, and of course, we talked a lot about Saturday Night Live. Before we get to this episode, I just want to say I am really proud of this episode on so many different levels. I am probably won't be able to cover all of them, but I just want to say when I started out doing this show, uh, this little podcast about over five years ago, this was the vision I had for the show, a really great guest, a big name guest, somebody who's going to be honest and vulnerable, and then we do this great improv together, and then the audience asks phenomenal questions. And it's at a great venue. It's at the Second City Main Stage in Chicago, almost 300 people. It's a sold-out crowd. You, you can't ask for anything better than that. And I start at the beginning of the, uh, of the show, and I talked about, you know, when we started out in improv, all of us in the, in the late 80s, Second City was the goal, you know. And uh, I didn't know it would take me 30 years to get there, and it would only last one hour, but it was really, really worth it. I've known Rachel since the 90s here in Chicago when we started out together and we were in two groups called Jazz Freddy and uh, Gambrina's King of Beer, which was a bar prof group before they called it bar prof. She's just a wonderful person and um, always I've always enjoyed uh, improvising with her. She's very smart. She's just, she's very good. She's very funny. She's very generous on stage, uh, as you will see in the improv portion. Um, so enough about me. I think I, I gave you enough backstory. Uh, you are going to love this episode. I'm so proud of it. And I'm also proud of the Improv Nerd staff. They, we were ready. It took us five years to get here, but we were ready. And um, here it is, the Rachel Dratch episode. Enjoy. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd. Oh, yeah. Jimmy's a nerd, he's a nerd. 
Oh, microphones. We have microphones. We have microphones. Hi, hello. We have microphones. We have microphones. Is mine on? Is mine working? Oh, great. Rachel, Rachel, this is yes. where you got noticed, right here at this the main stage. This is where stage. it all happened, right yes, here. Yes. What does it feel like to be back? It feels so awesome. It's like an awesome time machine. Yeah. Um, just every little spot, like walking backstage, I was like, oh, it gives you all these feelings. Good feelings, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were a class clown. <laughs> Do you like that? What if I started crying? Are you right going to cry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going there. Um, I, yeah, I was kind of a class clown type, I would say. What yeah. kind of stuff did you do? Um, I, I kind of acted up a little bit, and, you know, I would like, well, well, it depended on the teacher, you know, how strict they were, but if they were kind of cool, I would, like, shout out little one-liners from the back. Um, but I, I also, I had a bunch of funny friends, too, so I, I didn't feel like I'm the class clown. Like, I just, I, I don't know, I grew up around funny people, so, yeah. Now, take me back. In 1988, you come to Chicago. Yeah. You're studying at I.O. and you're studying... Am I too serious with the no, questions? No, that's good. Okay, I, okay, just, I didn't know what to expect. Okay. Yes. Um, you, you studied at I.O. and Second City. Yeah. Uh, what was the scene like back then? The scene. Oh, the scene. Um, <laughs> well, okay. So I'm, I mean, I've told this a bunch of times, but I moved here with a friend from my college improv group. And, um, we audition, and I just told everyone gets into classes at Second City back then anyway. I don't know what it's like now. But anyway, so we both auditioned for classes, and I did not get in. Like, I just moved there, and I didn't get into the classes. So I was like, oh, man, this, what am I doing? This is a, a dumb move to come here. Um, but then, anyway, I ended up taking classes elsewhere, and then I eventually got into classes here. And, and, but I did start doing Improv Olympic, um, like, a year after I moved here. And then it was instantly, like part of the improv scene here. Not that I, I was a big part of it, but just I was just in the classes there, but I would go see Blue Velveeta every weekend. And then it just became like my whole social life too. With all those dudes, this is one thing like you always hear, oh, it's so hard to make it in comedy and acting and everything. But like everyone we're hanging out with is, is, has, has made it somehow, whatever, made it. That's such a stupid phrase. But you know, I mean, they're working in comedy is what I should say. So like it was, you know, like Brian McCann and Pete Gardner and, Dave Keckner and Kevin Dorf and the, that whole gang, um, and uh, Susan Messing. And so um, anyway, uh, that became like my social life and, you know, creative life or whatever you want to call it, comedy life, yeah. And then uh, you then get hired at Second City. Well, yeah, so then like three years later, um, I got hired for the touring company. And we did a show, we did two shows together, Jazz Freddy and Gambrinus. Yes, I've never heard the phrase bar prov, but yes, I love that's that. Yes, that's a new... Because we were literally in the back of a bar with people that were there not to see improv. And, right. um, <laughs> and I think some of the... We were an incidental noise going on in the background. Right. And yeah. I think some of the cast w weren't there to do improv, they were there to drink, Yeah, Yes, because they were like drink tickets or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was Andy Richter. And uh, I don't mean he was a drinker, but he was in that group, right? I, no, I think it was uh, Andy. Sure he was in uh, no, no? I mean, it was. It was. Okay, it, I was don't know. it was Kevin Dorf. I put Kechner, Andy there in my mind. Leo okay. Ford, you, yeah. Noah uh, Gregoropoulos, Pat Finn. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Any memories from either Maybe of those Andy groups? Maybe Andy Memories. Um. Well. Uh, oh my gosh! It was just like the one thing. Like one thing I tell beginning improvisers is like get up in front of an audience as much as you can. Um, and that was like a great example because like the fear <laughs> was great at Gambrinus. I mean like people, like I said, no one was listening. <laughs> so, right. so, you know, you just had to like have no shame to be performing. It was a good exercise. 
But I yeah. remember <laughs> when you got hired at the main stage, because I always struggle with this. Last night I did Harmontown, and it was just, it was a really rough show. And I remember... Wait, like improvise? Yeah, just like you a had to improvise. Oh, yeah, yeah, improvise. yeah. They, Scott Atzett was great, and Dan Harmon's yeah, great. I was great. just like, no, I was lost. I totally get it, yeah. So... You'll I see. remember, I remember <laughs> talking to you, saying, you know, how do you get over the shame or the fear? And you had said, like, well, when you were doing Second City, that you do so many shows, improv sets, yeah. that that helps. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so eventually, uh, yeah, I toured for a few years and then got up here on the main stage. And then, you know, it's at, at first, you know, it's kind of like creaky. Like you feel like you're on someone else's turf because you're the new person in the cast and everything. Um, but then, like, as you get more comfortable, and then you get really used to performing in such a big room as this and everything, um, suddenly, like, you hit some better level where you're not all like, I gotta be funny tonight. And you're just like, well, this is what I do every night, so you know, let's just see what happens. And then you're not in your head. And um, then I think you get really good just doing every single night. And, like, I would say, like, 10% like of the improv sets we did were just, like, amazing. And then. <laughs> Then there's like 80% that are like pretty good. And then there's like 10% that were just horrible. Like you never knew what, like maybe you, you know, your aunt and uncle were in from out of town. They saw like that bottom 10%. You just, you come out, you're like, oh, it's usually better than this. You know what? You just, you can't predict. So. And then I, the, the, the other thing that I, I found interesting was, is I remember Pinata, which was a big show, you kind of struggled like finding your place because it was your first show. Yeah. And then there was there was an improv scene that kind of turned everything for you in that show, the one with the football. Yeah, but okay, so okay. so that was my first show on main stage, and so like I didn't really know how to create it. I mean, I'd done the level fives, and I I I wrote pretty well for that whatever that level five. I don't know what they call it now, but anyway, I came up with a bunch of stuff for that. But then when I was up here, I think I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm the new kid kind of thing, and um, I didn't really think in terms of characters, so. Um, and then that was like a whole crazy show that was kind of busted up the format and everything. And um, so I didn't really know what I was doing there, but, but, that, but that scene actually, like Adam McKay thought of that scene. Like I can't take credit for thinking of that thing. But, but yeah, he kind of like, <laughs> it was like a gimme. Like <laughs> Jack just isn't coming up with anything. Let's let her do this football scene. But um, I would just improvise with someone in the audience. Yeah, and it was, it was really fun, yeah. And then how did your confidence go from the first? Then Paradigm is well, a actually, huge... Well, actually, I did four shows up here. So then was Citizen Gates. Okay. And then Paradigm. And then this other show called Promise Keepers, Losers, Weepers. Yeah. So but, when um, did you, like, hit your stride? Um, well, then, like, you know, each show I felt a little better. Like, Citizen Gates, I felt better. And I did some more characters. And then Paradigm was when I felt, like, pretty confident up here. So, yeah. And you worked with, I mean, some really incredible people. Like you said, a lot of people went on to a lot of huge stuff. Is there anything that you learn from certain people? Um, yeah, I mean, even like I was just like even just watching Blue Velveeta before I was even on a stage. You know, you'd see people's different styles, and you you take what you loved about each person and be like, oh, is that me? Like you kind of trying on like what's my improv persona or whatever. So like like I remember um, Brian McCann in Blue Velveeta. Like he just always looked like he was having such a good time, and I was like, oh, that's so cool to watch him because like. He's always having fun. Like, that's just a random little thing. Or, like, some people being super physical. Or, like, Brian Stack being really cerebral, just, like, standing in the back line and then coming up with this amazing zinger. Like, and, like, you can't just decide you're going to do one or the other, but you just kind of develop what you do. But, um, but yeah, then playing with people that are better than you, you know, that's just, a, I don't know, it just automatically gets you better, too. Um, so, How yeah. would you describe your style of improv? Um... 
I don't, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe, like, how do you describe me? Oh, like, like who, who am I? Um, uh, I don't even know how to answer that, I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, you also created a sketch here in, uh, in a show called Wicked, which was uh, the Bo later becomes the Boston teenage right. teenagers yeah. from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, tell us how it ended up on TV. Well, okay, so Tina and I did this scene up here. It was called Wicked as a the mother. Tina, Tina Fey. Just, Tina Fey. Tina, yeah. you know, yeah. Tina. <laughs> <laughs> I just call her Tina. Um, but um, <laughs> but um, it was a mother and a daughter shopping at the Burlington Mall in Massachusetts. If anyone's from Massachusetts. Um, so, uh, and Tina does an amazing Boston accent. I mean, that's a tough one to do if you're not from there. And she was like flawless at it. But, um, but anyway, so we did that scene and then she got hired to write at SNL, and then eventually I got hired there. And then, you know, we just thought, like, oh, let's do this. And um, so we, we, we plugged Jimmy into it. And so Tina and I would write those together. What about Debbie Downer? One of my favorites. Debbie Downer. Okay, yeah. so. Um, <laughs> Which is totally not your personality because you're always very upbeat. I mean, it's not, but then I do have Debbie Downer. Like, if you look at my Twitter page, I am Debbie Downer right now. <laughs> Um, no, it, I definitely have a Debbie Downer that lives inside of me. I just keep her in. So okay. like, like, you know, if I'm at a party, I want to talk about global warming, but I just, I try not to. Um, so, um, but yeah, uh, a lot of people, that's the one people come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, that is my sister. That's my mom. Like, everyone has this Debbie Downer. Like, so I think that's why, like, it hit so hard. But, um, but yeah, that just came, I mean, should I tell, like, how I thought yes, that? Or, yes, yes. Um, okay, so, it, but there is a downer attached to the story of how I came up, so just brace yourselves. But, um, no, I was, uh, I mean, I've, I've told this before, but I was on a vacation, and it was this, like, it was in Costa Rica, and it was this communal eating table, so, like, people were just chit-chatting, and so, um, it sounds like a cult or something, but it wasn't. So, so, no, people were just, like, making conversation, and so, like, someone's like, oh, where are you from? And I said, I'm from New York, and then they were like, Oh, were you there for 9-11? And like, mind you, like this was a vacation setting. Like there was no need to bring this up. It was three years after. And um, so I just, so I was like, yeah. And then like I tried to steer the conversation. It kind of like brought this Paul over the table and then tried to steer it back. And um, so I didn't think of it that second. But then like a week later, it just popped into my head. Like that moment just... And that's the thing about like thinking up characters at SNL is I could never just go in on writing night and just sit there and be like, okay, time to think of something, because I would just not think of it. It had to be like something like that, where it just pops in your head. I can't control like how often that happens. So like when I was on the show, like I would hope to think of two really good characters a season, maybe, if lucky. You know what I mean? Like so um, but that's oh, so then I wrote so then I had that idea, I brought it in to Paula Pell, who's the writer, she doesn't write there anymore, but um, so we were trying to think of how to write Debbie Downer. We had her set in an office, and it wasn't really flowing. And then we were like, wait, we need somewhere that's really happy. So we set it in Disney World. <laughs> and, um, and then while we were writing it, like, we'd say one of these Downer things, and the other person would be like, wah, wah. And so then we were just doing that to crack each other up. And then we were like, what if we put in the sad trombone sound actually in the scene? So that's how that all. And when you oh, yeah. pitch it, because you have to pitch ideas. There's a writing meeting and stuff like that. Did it go over? Well, the, okay, so the pitch on SNL is a little tricky because you don't really, I mean, you're supposed to go in with your real ideas, but you don't, it's hard to really describe it in a funny way. So, 
sometimes you might have an idea that you pitch, and then you don't even end up doing it. Like the, the pitch isn't really the thing. It's the actual read-through table after you've written the scene that's on Wednesdays. And then all the scenes that everyone's written are in this big stack. And they're all cast you know, by the writers and everything. And so, and everyone's there, like Lauren and the host and the writers. And, and then we read through them. And you know, sometimes your scene gets a lot of laughs. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes it tanks at the table. And sometimes it does really well at the table, but it still doesn't get picked. And so it's just like a whole mystery thing. But yeah, that did well at the table. And then, then we got the other one I love is Love Us. Oh yeah, Love Us, yeah. Because I love watching, I love watching you break up. Yeah, I know. Did you ever get shit from Lauren? No, I never did. Like, it's funny because my two favorite moments on the show were that Debbie Downer that I started laughing and that hot tub one where I also started laughing. But um, so it's funny because my two favorites are like the ones where I broke from professional standards. But um, but you know, you know, I think if you laughed like every week, you might get a talking to. I don't. I never heard of him, you know, coming down on someone for laughing really. But um. But yeah, that one was super fun. Um, Will and I wrote those. And that actually came from, there was this professor um, back at college. And she wasn't like that character, but she once told a friend, like my friend was going on her winter break. And she said, oh yeah, just you know, relax. Eat, uh, take a bath, read a book, eat a bonbon, spend time with your lover. And so, <laughs> so that became like this joke between my friend and me. Like we would just say the word lover all the time. And Adam heard me saying lovo. And then, that be, and then anyway, Will and I just took that word lover and wrote, wrote those characters. Yeah. How was making the transition from the main stage here and all the years you had done at Second City to the really competitive world of SNL? Um, yeah, it's like, it's so funny because they're both sketch and you think, oh, you just seamlessly go from one to the other, but they're actually really different in terms of the writing process and the style of the scenes that get picked. So like, um, like here you write everything, at least we did, just through improvising, like on your feet, and then you try it out or you'd be based on an audience suggestion. You would never be just sitting in an office writing a scene. And then when you get to SNL, you're just like in front of a computer and it's a whole different, because you know, I think I come up with much better stuff in the improv way, but when I'm sitting, it's just harder. So, um, and then also, um, like in terms of, I think at Second City, you could have more of a slowly developing scene. And at SNL, you need more punchline, punchline. Like it has to kind of get laughs right away, sort of, unless it's, you know, some every so often, like a more weird one passes through. But for the most part, you need to have like, Actual punchlines a lot, and that, that was that took some getting it, used to. Do you ever feel comfortable there? Did you ever feel like, okay, <laughs> you're laughing? That's a good question. Um, did I ever feel comfortable at yeah. yeah. I'm sure I, uh, there were moments. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it is. You know, it's so weird because it is. It is really competitive, but not in a gross way of like, like. Like, oh, Sally stole my pages, and now I don't have a scene to turn it. I don't mean like that. Like, people were supported, and they, like, around the table, like, people would laugh at your scene, and they'd be like, oh, that was great, you know. So there was a feeling of friendship there, for sure. Um, but it was just like, when I was there, the cast was really huge, and so someone was always going to be out, you know, not participating. And so if that was you for, like, one week, two weeks, three weeks, it really starts to mess with your head, because then when you're trying to think of a scene, it's not just like, oh, this would be funny. You're like, I've got to think of something. You know, then that doesn't really work for comedy. So, And I wouldn't imagine, I'm just guessing, I don't know Lorne Michaels, but I wouldn't imagine <laughs> that he, he, you get a lot of positive feedback. He gave me my big break, you know? So like, I'm, I'm forever grateful to him. I, like, I, I didn't have like so much interaction with him, but he would give you positive feedback. But 
it was kind of like he wasn't there, like walking around while everyone's writing, like like um, like t Tim Gunn does on Project <laughs> Runway. <laughs> well, that's coming along nicely, you know, like. <laughs> so, so like you're just in your office, you're kind of just on your own, and then like at the read-through table, like you get laughs or you don't. So, it's it's not like he was like not encouraging you, but he's also you know like not fostering. You, for, you know, so and although was, he I does, he does like for example for your first appearance on the show, like he wants you to knock it out of the park. So he was like the first couple times I was on the show, I was in dress rehearsal and then my scene got pulled and I was kind of like oh, I have to tell my friends I'm not gonna, <laughs> you know. But but like he wants you to really score in your first. So he does, you know. I think he's trying to you know make you look good or whatever. I remember, <laughs> and I don't know if this is still true with you. You you'd be like, oh, what'd you do today? Well, I watched Jerry Springer. You love oh, watching do. daytime God, I'm TV. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I probably did. I don't anymore. Okay. And that doesn't even exist anymore. No, did I watch a lot of Jerry Springer? You liked daytime television like <laughs> Jerry liked, Springer and stuff. I liked seeing crazy characters. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't. I guess I did watch some. Springer. What was the best thing about working on SNL? Oh my gosh. Well, I think like the my first answer is like it's the dream job. Like I watched it when I was little. I never imagined I'd be on it. And then like, cause I definitely had pinch me moments like throughout my whole time. Give there. me one of those. Oh my gosh. Well, just okay. This is like the very first time I was there was the 25th anniversary show. I was just in the audience, but I walked in just to like watch. And um, it's every person that's hosted and banned. And I was in the makeup room. I didn't even, like, it was like a Cinderella, like, mice picked me up and dropped me in the makeup room. And, uh, and like, like, there was Elvis Costello and Dan Aykroyd and Lily Tomlin were all in the makeup room. Now, do they say hi and acknowledge you? I mean, I, I don't even remember. I was just, like, out of my head. I was just, like, you know. Right. Um, but that was, like, my first, and then, like, I don't know. It just, yeah, the, the thing I love about SNL is that it is live and it is spontaneous. So you really don't know what's going to happen. Like, scenes could get cut at the end for time or you could crack up and not do it again or whatever. Um, but, like, you know, you know, like Steve Martin's dropping by. It was just like the comedy dream, you know. Who was the best host you ever worked with? Um, you know, I get asked this a lot. And, um, yes. I don't, you know, like, I mean, of course, there's the people like, the old standbys like Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin, Christopher Walken, like, um, and then there was he drunk when he did? Walken? Yeah, during the show, it always seemed like he was so. drunk to I me. Think okay, that was just his personality. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, what I mean is like he was actually friendly, and like you'd think you'd be scared of him. He was he was friendly, but he's just you know that's just his right. persona. Like, um, but then like another kind of funny thing about uh, the SNL host is like sometimes an athlete or a politician was the best host because they didn't have that fear. Like we talk about fear and improv and everything. They weren't like, I've gotta be really funny. They're just like, I'm here to have fun, right. you know. So this is just like this is just like the Super Bowl. Exactly. You know? Like they didn't have stakes. Right. And sometimes like the people that didn't do as well were the, the Oscar winning actors, the film actors, who I don't know, like they thought they had to do really well or they weren't used to heightening into like an absurd energy. Like they were playing it really real. So real difficult person to work with as a host. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I also get like honestly, I didn't as an actor like you don't have to deal with people's stuff because right. I don't even we don't even know if someone was having a fit behind a closed door because right. we didn't deal with it. So right. yeah, I didn't really encounter it. Also, everyone that comes in is so nervous. So maybe if they're like a jerk in real life at SNL, that they're, they're like, hey, help! You're I'm not gonna be like a jerk because really you're. Because yeah. I need you. Yeah, I and guess And then so. I can be, I can go behind the set yeah. and make a, yeah. tell Lauren to 
you know, whatever. Right. All right, we're going to improvise. Oh, now. my gosh. How, you're nervous? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a suggestion, and okay. then we'll do, we'll do, we're going to, do you want to sit in the chairs, or do you want to get up? What's going to um, be more I comfortable? I guess we should get up. Okay. <laughs> Good. So we're going to get up. We're going to do a scene. Sure, I talk a good game. Okay, right. yeah. Okay. And we don't need the microphones. Right. This isn't right, like okay. we're doing a corporate okay. show. Right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll get up. We'll take a suggestion, okay. and then we'll, we'll go and do a scene. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Can, <laughs> what do you want to take as a suggestion? What would you like? Oh, um, uh, how about, um, I don't know, something, something, <laughs> something that was in your dream last night. What? Why? Ravioli. Ra ravioli. Now, you hear ravioli. What goes on in your head? What? Oh, oh, we're going to talk like this? We're going to talk for just a second. Because <laughs> we want to know your process. We want to know your process. I don't process. know my process. Right. Um, what goes on? I don't Everyone's know. Everyone's got a process. I guess, I guess I just think of, what would I do with ravioli? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll probably go into some... Well, no, I'm not going to say. Don't say it. Okay. okay, now I'm in my head. Okay. okay. Hey, give, me, give us a new one. Wet towel. Wet towel. Wet towel. We're just going to do wet towel. <laughs> All right. Well, this was some party you had. Yes. Yes. Oh, you... Some party? Yeah. I mean, I said I was going to be gone for one night. Yeah. And look at this place. You're, um, you're, oh. You're I'm your mother. Oh. <laughs> Just how, oh. how high are you right now? You're still drunk, aren't yes, you? Yes, I am. Oh, man. I got a call that there were cars lined up down the street. Oh. There I is someone you... outside on the lawn. Oh. And there's vomit in the bird bath. You said... I'll clean it up tomorrow. Yes, you will clean it up. I thought you weren't going to come home till Saturday. Well, I got the call about the cars. So I had to cut my, my trip short, my ladies' trip. Jeez. Do you know how long I was waiting for that trip? I, uh, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've had a trip with my friends. I know. Ever since Dad died. Right. You know who was here? She was who asking was here? all about it. Who? Carol, your friend Carol from Book Club. You had my friends here? <laughs> she, she told me up. she couldn't. She, she hooked up. up. Yeah. With Derek. She hooked up with Derek. This Were you is jealous? A, I, I'm angry because Carol was supposed to go on the ladies' trip. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to start slamming Pinot Grigio here. <laughs> Because that's what I should be doing in Sonoma right now. You need to chill, Mom. Chill. That's what I was hoping to do in the hills of Sonoma. Instead, I'm here cleaning up your mess once again. There's one that's already open. Oh, sure, but this is a, this is my stash. It was a great, it was a great party, Mom. <laughs> This isn't going to give you one of those migraines again, is Probably. it? Probably. 
know, Sam, I thought I could trust you. What is this? <laughs> I don't it's even want to micro- know. I don't even want to know. It's a microphone. <laughs> What'd you think it was? I don't know what that was. Some kind of bong? No, no, Mom. Here. This is a bong. <laughs> You know what? I thought you were going to really make something of yourself. This is why I'm so upset. I'm only 25. 25, still living at home, having parties like a teenager. God, you don't have to get so angry at me. I'm sorry, I'm angry. I didn't, I didn't expect this. I thought maybe you'd have a couple pals over. Not this destruction. Oh, man. You are so uptight. Yeah, I am uptight. Now I know why Dad died. Stress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we were pretty stressed, and I guess I still am. Did you love him? Yes, yes. Because you were shouting all the time. You guys were fighting over money and all that stuff, and... Look, Sam, I just, I just want you to, to be successful, okay? Not money successful. I want you to be happy, okay? I don't want you to have stress like Dad and me. Uh, does it look like I'm having any stress? <laughs> Actually, no, you look pretty relaxed. I'm going to need your help cleaning this place up, though. Okay, we'll do it tomorrow. <sighs> Why do we have to do it today? Because it stinks in here! <laughs> the realtor called. They want to show the place at three, I forgot to tell you. I told them that we're going to take it off the market for 24 hours. Well, that was probably smart. You know what I want for you, Mom? What? I want you to be happy. Well, then grow the fuck up, okay? I want to say this. That was the easiest improv I have ever done. How did you feel about it? Oh, I actually actually felt good about that. I felt great about it. I mean, I'm... (laughs) I might have confused you. I meant easy was good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just effortless, wasn't it? Yeah, because I was kind of nervous. I was, was terrified. I was, I was going to make you someone else, and I loved how you jumped at the beginning. You're like, I'm your mother, and that just set the whole thing in motion, you know? I remember uh, Jazz Freddy. Do you remember? The, it was a closing night. I'll, I'll never forget this scene. It was, we played a couple. It was a house was burning down. We, our house had burnt down. Do you remember this? No. Oh. <laughs> no, but if you... I no, I just it's it, you know how like favorite scenes still stay in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of my, oh my favorite gosh. scenes. Shoot, I wish I. Remember. Would you have done anything different in this? Not a thing. It was perfect. No, I'm just. <laughs> oh, no. Um, no, just because like, I don't improvise as much anymore as mm-hmm. frequently anymore, so that's why I get like a little more nervous. But this one, like, I was just glad that I knew like who I was and where I was and what we were because yeah. that kind of just like then like it doesn't have to be like oh my god that's the funniest line you've ever said. You just have to be in that moment and not be trying to think of, like, inventing things. Right. 
So. That, 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 you never had that, like, you know, when you're improvising, you're like, oh, I got to get something, you know, it's not working, so I got to get something out. Yeah, that I never happened. That feeling. Right. Great. Cheers you know, to us. Cheers to us, yeah. <laughs> Two old timers who, 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 who improvise like three times a year. Just in the rest of oh, yeah, yes. exactly. oh, wait. I thought it was pretty good there, don't you think? <laughs> All right, we're going to take some questions okay. from the audience. Uh, great. great. If we could turn the, and Sam's out there somewhere with the microphone. Yeah. Bring that mic, uh, there we go. Great. Yeah, some questions. Raise your hands up here. Question over right here. Uh, hi. Uh, you mentioned, like, weirdly paced scenes in SNL earlier that would slip through. And I was wondering um, if there were any that kind of stuck with you as your favorites. Ooh. What were some of your favorites? i got to repeat um, this, so please excuse me for the podcast. Some of, favorite, some of your like, favorites on SNL. Oddly energy. Oddly energy. Oh, my gosh. Um... Shoot, of course now I can't think of any. I'm so sorry. They, they sometimes come at the end of the show, you know, in like the 10 to 1 spot. Um, so, but I can't think of, I'm sure any one, Any ones that you thought were really killer in, in oh read through that didn't get on that you, you're heartbroken about? Oh yeah, definitely that. And then also scenes that got picked, like I remember before I got on the show, you'd watch it, sometimes you're like, what is that, you know? And then, but when you're there at the table, like. Something worked there, and then I don't know what happened between <laughs> that moment. But um, like, there's no scene that gets on that didn't get like huge laughs at some point at the table, you know. Um, and then like, oh yes, okay. So there's one scene I did. Um, I, I had this um, child actor character um, named David Mac Wilson, who was he was in he was in a scene. It was written by this guy Andrew Steele. I, I playing Ilion, the Cuban boy, once, and it was like, and, and David Mac Wilson as the Cuban boy, and I was like. And so, but so then we took him and tried to make him like his this really annoying child actor. And so when we did it at the table, like it totally killed. And I was like, you know, this is like the curse of death when you're like already picturing like. And in the third installment of this character, I'm gonna have him here, like because right. he hadn't even gotten on yet. Right. You know? And so then we did it address, and it just died. Like I don't even know what went wrong, but. So moments like that. Did you ever like picture like, oh, it's going to be a mug, it's going to be a T-shirt, this character? <laughs> Did you ever go that far? I don't far? know. No, I, I never went into Merch Town. Okay, Jimmy, great. But, uh, <laughs> Let's take another question. <laughs> How did your life change better for Ooh, from improv? That's a good question. Um, well, a couple things. One is just how much, like basically just how much fun I had here in Chicago. Like it was your job, but it was so fun. Like my, when I, as soon as I set foot in Chicago, I just get this like fun feeling because we were just improvising all the time and hanging out and being around the funniest people all the time. Um, and then like in terms of life approach, um, I just think it kind of helps you like, the whole yes and thing, like, it helps you recognize when you're operating out of fear, when you're like, no, and <coughs> to someone else's idea, or whatever it may be. Um, to, to the yes and thing, I think, serves you in life. And also the ensemble part of, of improv, I think that really helps in the whole acting world, because, like, if someone gets a job or something, you're not like, oh, why didn't she get done? I didn't get it. You're like, there, there's a thing that kicks in where, like, you know, you start to help each other out, like someone gets a job and then they suggest you for this writing gig, or whatever it is. So there's a kind of like team energy that I think really helps both in acting and in life as well. Great. Another question? Who restricted you as a question over here? Any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kind of building off of that, 
Did you ever have a backup career? Um, I wanted to be a therapist. I was very torn when I moved out here because I was really interested. Hence my Jerry Springer watching. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so I wanted to do that. I, was, I really did want to do that. And then, like, but I would make slow progress here every year. And then that kind of faded away. And then I got in, in the tour co. And then that's when I really kind of chucked that idea. But, um, but I don't know anyone who um, is like, I'm giving myself five years. Like, you hear that. That's what like people who aren't in acting always ask you like. But I don't know anyone that did that because as long as you're making a little bit of progress, either like professionally speaking, like oh now I'm on a house team or now I'm I got this commercial or whatever it might be, or even creatively like like oh I'm not planning what I'm going to say when I go out there or I'm just editing without knowing what's coming. Like so those two things as they both creep up, like it kind of keeps you in it for longer. Have you been able to use your psychology degree in, in the business, in, in comedy and improv? Not, not formally. Speaking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But do you ever go like, uh-oh, that guy's a narcissist. I get it. Um, no, not really like that. Like okay. Maybe about a character, like just, I mean, whatever. Like if you're in this, you kind of like human behavior and, you know, what people's secrets are and all that stuff. So I think it's all connected. But Does never Debbie Downer have a secret? <laughs> Is she, she has no secrets. Great, <laughs> <laughs> another question. Down in front of right here. Let's go right here. Hi, Rachel. Uh, my name's Kira Craig. Big fan. Thank you. Uh, this way, this way. Just, can you give two do's and one don't for people starting out on improv? Oh two do's and one don't oh for people gosh. starting out on improv. Um, two do's and like one rules. don't. Um, <laughs> two do's and one don't? Yeah. Um. Do you want to write them down first? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Well, this is very this is very basic, but like I kind of just mentioned it, but and this isn't really so much do don't, but like I when you first start out, you're there's like just first of all, no everyone in that class is scared, whether they're like a doctor who's doing this as a hobby or someone like wants to be on SNL, whatever, you know, like everyone is scared in the class for the first few classes and, until you kind of lose that, and then and then the other thing is about planning, like um, what I kind of mentioned, like when you first start out, you kind of catch yourself planning what you're going to say before you step out or thinking up scenarios that will be funny and like that just doesn't work like eventually you got to just be in that moment and only respond to your partner in the moment so I don't know those aren't really like do's don'ts but and don't be a jerk Favorite political um, scene on SNL or here at Second City? So I wasn't like I mean I love watching political like what they're doing right now is amazing. I was never I never really thought like that in terms of writing about thinking of political political scenes. So um you know if I got cast in one great but um I wasn't really part of that wasn't really part of my particular comedy I guess. Great yeah. another question? Over here right up front. Yep. Hi. Uh, oh my gosh, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. <laughs> 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 like a pre-show ritual that you were calling and that would get you in the mood for improv. 
any pre-show rituals before doing an improv show. It's so funny because like when you're in acting class, you know, you're like doing warm-ups and like warming up your body and your voice and stuff, and then you get here and you're like, like, when do we start? You know, I mean, right. not that, right. not that I, I don't who's, smoke. I don't. Who's, smoke. who's going to Walgreens? That's <laughs> exactly. The like, like all that kind of falls away, and you just, um, you just are. But um, I'm, I don't know. I don't really know many people that do like rituals. But um, it probably would be good if I did a physical <laughs> I think that would probably actually be really beneficial to free you up, but unfortunately I, I was lazy that way. Great. Another question? Over here, anybody yeah. Question? Uh, do you think in this political climate that we're in right now, is it easier or harder to be a comedian? In this political climate right now, um, is it easier or harder to be a comedian? Well, okay, so like what I do, it's kind of the same for me, but I feel like it's, I feel like comedy is so necessary right now, like it's, it's, oh my gosh, like I need, I need <laughs> to follow the funny people I follow on Twitter and like watch the sketches and, and all the late night shows and everything because it kind of just helps you like process and, and give you some relief and, and know that like, you know, other people are feeling this tension that you are feeling. So. Um, I kind of forget your question, but it was about, um, <laughs> is it more important? I think it's like super important right now. I think it's like as important as journalism right now. Even do you, I'm do you still watch SNL? I do, like I don't, you know, I don't like, the problem is, okay, I DVR it and then the next morning I'm like gonna like go through my whole thing with the kid, no, probably not. Right. But, I, but I see the scenes that, you know, that everyone's talking about and all this stuff, yeah. The so I, I, and I think they're all, they're doing great stuff right now. The other thing we didn't talk about was uh, at 44 you, you got pregnant, you had a son, and you know, we just had a baby, uh, yes. uh, eight, Congratulations. Uh, now nine months. Uh, how has how improv helped with raising your son? Oh, wow, that's a good question. I, I want to steal your that. advice. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I, wow, that's such a good question, but I guess I haven't really thought of that in terms of improv. Is he funny? Do you play, do you funny, make him yeah. laugh? No, he's really funny. Do you funny. play games and stuff with him and stuff? I'm like, okay, two more. Uh, who is, what's your who, what, and where? Right. No, um, right. <laughs> no, um. Mommy, mommy just said lights. <laughs> mommy just said scene. You're not listening. It's over. Um, that was an edit. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I don't like, you know, I'm not trying to like raise a little comedian or anything, but he, he is kind of funny, I think. I'm not, I'm not being one of those moms like, my kid's so funny, but he, he's pretty funny. Great. <laughs> Let's take another question. Yeah, so um, obviously in this business there are a lot of highs and lows. What's the piece of advice you would go about saying when you're in the lows of it? What advice would you give to someone okay. when they're in low in this business? Because it can be brutal. Now I'm going to cry. Okay. Um, <laughs> Wow. Well, ooh, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I had like, I wouldn't say like use the word lows because now looking back at them, I see like, don't look at the low as like the permanent situation. That was what I did. Like, okay, so I left Second City and I had auditioned for SNL and I didn't get it and I moved out to LA and then like nothing was happening at all in LA and um, for like months and months and then I, I kind of was like, oh, was that just like a, a fluke that right. I was here in Chicago, you know? And um, but then eventually, okay, actually both of the lows I got out of by writing, which I'm not, I'm not that into writing. Like, I mean, at SNL you have to do it, and I, I needed that pressure to write. Because I'm not just going to be sitting around like, oh, it's 9 o'clock, I think I'll just write up a sketch for fun, you know, in my own, in my own world. I don't know, do you? No. Okay. <laughs> so eventually when like, you know, oh, no one's calling me to do a job, like, 
so that's the first way was the Dratch and Faye show that we, like I was in LA and then Tina was already writing on SNL and she wanted to perform. So we thought, oh, well, let's meet up in Chicago and, and do this show. So we did this two-person sketch show and it kind of, it was, it was really fun. It kind of like revitalized me. And did that lead you to SNL? I mean, maybe, because like I'd audition once and then we did this and then it probably, it, I'm sure it didn't hurt, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I got to audition again. You know, you make a good point because I, I think of all our contemporaries, Tina and Adam McKay, even in John Favreau, uh, Nia Vardolos, they all wrote their way to the top. Right. I, right. I wish I would learn, yeah, learn I know. that, but I mean, I know. it's like, it's. I know, because I think, so, like, there's so many people trying to be an act, to be actors, but to, to write your own story and have your own voice, like, that's what people are always looking for the good story, you know, or the good sketch or character. So I think that's where your power is to, um, to get out of your own kind of lows. Um, and yeah, I thought I had something else to say, but I can't think of it. Um, well, did you did you figure out the second don't? Okay, the second one was oh no, not the second like, don't, but kidding. the second the second low thing was like that after SNL, kind of same thing. Like I thought, like oh SNL, like, did you leave? Where's my three picture deal? Did and you then, leave <laughs> on your own terms? Or That's like kind of a long story, but I'm not saying that because it's like salacious right. or anything. But it was it was kind of tricky, like that year. They, like some years, like you can just stay, and that year they kind of told us, like, <laughs> bye. But no, but My, but not really like that because I was going on a thirty rock. It was it was that's a whole other story. Okay, read the book. Read the R book. Right. But, um, no. The title of the book? Girl walks into a bar. Great book. Thank you. But what I was gonna say is, so then after SNL, went like a couple years of like getting like little gigs here and there, but nothing really steady. So then. That's how the book came about, because I was just like, all right, well, I guess I'll. But it wasn't born out of like, oh, no, it's calling. It was just like, oh, maybe I'll try to write this funny thing that happened. And so then I started to write little stories, like you would tell The Moth, or Risk is another one. So, and then I sort of did, was doing that as my own little creative exercise. So it was kind of fun. It gave me like something to do creatively that sort of like rejuvenated me again, yeah. Great, uh, another qu question? question over here, yeah. A Boston accent, so I didn't have to. But I know Amy Poehler says she did, and um, so she had. I guess hers wore off, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So Amy's from Burlington, and I'm from Lexington, and our teams play each other on Thanksgiving Day. So we call each other, and we're like, "Fuck you, Burlington, you're fucking going down." And then like, <laughs> then she like calls me and razzes. Anyways, that's our rivalry, Poehler and I. Yeah. Great. Another question. When you were at SNL, did you realize that this was the girls' time? Um, no, and I also like you know I heard like after, you know I watched the first season too as a kid, and um like watching it, you weren't thinking this is boys' time. Why, well, whatever? I was in like third grade, I think. So I was looking at you know Jane Curtin, Gil Runner, and just like I was Steve Martin and Bill Murray, and, like so there was no delineation of like these guys are funnier. So. I never had that in my mind that like guys dominate in comedy at all. And then I think it was tricky at SNL before I got there. Like you hear stories that it was more male dominated. But when I got there, 
it was it wasn't like that. So I never had to deal with any sort of like sexism but, that way. But also here in Chicago, it was it was different too for women. Can you tell us that in terms of the number of women like on a Herald right. team at I O and. Right. So when I first got to Chicago, an improv team would be like seven guys and one woman. And you were gl you, you you were lucky if, the, yeah. if it was that. Yeah. Exactly. Because well, as the as the woman, um, you know, <laughs> you didn't have to like you could be. I mean, I'm not whatever. Like you could be okay and and then get put on this team, and then you get so much better because you're playing all the time. And you know, usually these guys were all, like six, six feet tall. I'm like, if you wanted to say something, you had to like get out there and say it. So it was really good training for me. And uh, but not that that's like good that there was only one woman. But but then, and I don't know why that was. But the, more women got interested. I don't know. But then by the time I was leaving here, it was it was definitely more equal. And then I would say Saturday Night Live. What would you say the last five or seven or eight years? It's been. You, the women have really dominated that show. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's great, but I mean, like, it's weird because when you say that, then you're inviting, like, and then here's the years with the women. Like, I kind of don't like splitting it up by gender. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we'll take another question. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I really liked your character where you had the baby hand attached oh, to your head. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Okay, the so baby hand character. The baby hand. So, okay, that's an example of a character I did not think of. Like every once in a while, a writer, you know, you had to think of your own stuff, and then every once in a while, like a writer would just be like, oh, yeah. So, um, so one of the writers, Scott Wainio, thought of that, and it originally came about because that was when Angelina Jolie and her brother had like had that weird kiss at the Oscars. <laughs> So there was a weekend update bit where they were like, it was Molly Shannon and Chris Kattan, and they were they were like talking and getting all cozy with each other. And then they're like, and here's our child, Caterpillar Clicks. Like if you can, <laughs> and then I came out like, <laughs> and so then Caterpillar Clicks made made more appearances. What would because you? Because of the demand. Let's face it. <laughs> What would you do when they would throw you, like, at the beginning of the week, oh, we need a celebrity impersonation? How would you do that? Oh, that's, you know, I don't even know. I don't really remember how that came up. Maybe, like, someone would come and be like, hey, can you do this person? Or... Would you then cram? Would you go back to your apartment? Well, it's pretty, like, usually it was someone you'd kind of done randomly, just in passing or something. I can't <laughs> explain it. Like, I didn't do that many celebrities, but sometimes someone would come up, like, if you kind of resembled someone, then you would get picked to do that person, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, sometimes you would watch tapes of them, and then other times for me it was more like if it was a political person you'd watch a tape or something. But for me it was more just like, oh, here's my interpretation of like kind of what Liz Taylor sounds like in my mind, you know, and then like that kind of thing. Great. Another question? Hi. Um, you talked about the value of finding your voice as a writer, and I was wondering if you feel that you became a better performer as you became a better writer. Ooh. Better performers, you become a better writer. Um, I don't know that, I don't know that you become like a more skilled performer, but it definitely helps you to write your own stuff because you're going to write to your strengths and you're going to know what you can make funny the best. I don't know. I've never really thought of it like that, but that is a good question. But I don't know if I have a good answer. Great. <laughs> Another question. question right over here, all the way far over on this side, guys, near the fire exit. Okay. There <laughs> is there anyone in the current SNL cast that who oh would you gosh. like to work with in the current SNL stand? Um, that would wow. be awesome. I mean, like, you know, the ladies come to mind immediately. Cause I, I haven't, 
Like, I haven't, I mean, they're the ones that you see, you know, when you watch the, the internet clips, you know, what I mean? like, whatever, like Kate McKinnon, Cecily, Vanessa Barrett, like, 80, they, they all just make me laugh so much. Um, but, like, I mean, when I was on the show, it was so great, because, like, everyone there was funny, and it just, like, being up here, like, everyone had their own special vibe that was always fun to work with. Like, that might sound like Who was your favorite? Too. I'm not saying, like, ooh, that you had great chemistry with on the show. Because chemistry is, it's, you don't have chem great chemistry with everybody. Right. Who was that you just, like... I mean, like, I loved, like, again, like, the ladies, like, like Maya, Amy, Polar, um, the, those guys come to mind. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting, like, best friends and stuff like that. But, uh, but um, <laughs> I mean, like, like Teen and I, like, I loved working with Teen and Drafton and Faye. We didn't do that much on the show because she was, she was Weekend Update. We wrote a lot together. Um, and then, like, I mean, Will Ferrell is just, like, he, he's, like, that thing I was talking about with Brian McCann, like, where you just see he's having so much fun. Like, like he just exudes fun. So it was always fun to be in a scene with him, too. And Jimmy Great. Fallon, the, um, Sully Denise, yeah. Great. We'll take one more question. Uh, one more question. I see this hand way up front over here. Uh, have you gone back to trying to watch The Bachelor again after The Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> the draft. Have you gone back to watching The Bachelor after The Draft? I don't know. Okay, Funny or Die asked me to do commentary on The Bachelor because they like the idea of the word The Draftler. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that for one season. And no, I have not been back to watch The Draftler. <laughs> that was, yeah. That All right. Was, we, we can't end on The Draftler, though. Pardon? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Okay, we've got we, we to wrap this up. And we okay. end the pot. This has just been so oh. much fun. Uh, are you having a good time? Yes, okay, yes, great. so fun. Um, there, no, we I could stay that. longer, but there's a show that. following us. Yes. Um, what's one piece of advice you'd give somebody starting out in improv today? <laughs> Take two your time. Do's a, two do's and a don't? <laughs> uh, something maybe some, you wish someone had told you when you started? Oh my gosh. Someone's, someone's something maybe Kechner might have said to you? Kechner. Um, let's see. Why? I mean, just but what was your nickname when you were in Jazz Freddy? It was remember Pickles. Pickles. Okay. For no reason. And Brian Stacks, remember him? Uh, it, was, it was balls. Yes. <laughs> what was yours? Mine was the truth. The truth. Yes. <laughs> um, one piece of advice. One piece. I mean, this is like so cliche, but the thing that I always and it's what I've been talking about, but just like have fun because if you if you just remember to have fun, then you're not in your head. I mean, that's for actually entering the scene. In terms of the whole world of improv, I would say um, just perform for an audience as much as you can because that's where you really learn. Like in class, sometimes you tend to sit around like, oh, well, what if this person can't, like sketch talk can just go on and on. But like, like if you're in front of an audience, that's how you know like if you're succeeding or failing because they're laughing or they're not. And then it's really great training to learn what makes them laugh and what and what not. Or like you might have a really unresponsive crowd, what do you do to get through that? Or like a crowd that's laughing all the time. Like, so I just think the stage experience is the, the best thing you can do. Okay, I want to thank our guest, Rachel Dratch. And there you have it, another great episode of Improv Nerd. And when I say another great episode of Improv Nerd, I do not think I'm exaggerating. What a great episode. And, and I just want to say thanks again to our guest, Rachel Dratch. And improvising with her was just so fun and it was so easy. Really, I think the way it always should be, but the nature of improv, as you know, it's not always that easy. Uh, I have so many people to thank. 
Not only do I hope I can remember them, I hope I can get their names right, their, the pronunci- pronunciation, I can't even pronounce pronunciation, pronunciation of their names right. Let's start with the Chicago Improv Festival, the executive director, and Jonathan Pitts. So thank you, Jonathan Pitts, for um letting us be a part of this. Jesse Swanson at the Second City Training Center, he's the one who takes so good care of us and the venues kept getting bigger and bigger until finally we ended up on the main stage at Second City. Uh, Sam Bowers, who is the director of the live version of the Improv Nerd, and boy, did he uh, come through uh, because he had so many people and it was a different space he had to deal with. So thank you, Sam Bowers. And Dan Schiffmacher, who is the producer of Improv Nerd, and his great staff, which uh, consists of Joe Pizzanzio, I got his name right, I know I do, did, and Joe Gallagher, who shoot video. We have a three-camera shoot on our Improv Nerd show, so thank you. Ian Getz, our go-to intern, thank you so much, and Mark Serletic, who is our sound engineer. So thank you, guys. You really came through in flying colors. If you want more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning improv workshops, classes, and intensives called The Art of Slow Comedy, go to my website, jimmycorain.com. Also sign up for my Improv Nerd newsletter. I will send out a blog that will help you become a better improviser and a better person. Well, the better person is up to you. Also, follow us on social media. We have a Facebook page, Improv Nerd, of course. Like us. Like us, because it really helps with my low self-esteem. Follow us at improv underscore nerd at Twitter. And you got to check out our YouTube channel, which is Improv Nerd Podcast. You will see clips from the live show. We're also fortunate enough to be part of this wonderful podcast collective called feralaudio.com. So check out all their amazing podcasts on feralaudio.com. And of course, I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Yunt. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. (laughs) Suicide Buddies. (laughs) That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century, Mm -hmm. and he, uh, one of the reasons it's possible that he killed himself (laughs) is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, he's in a castle in Poland. (laughs) He's like, I mean, if you yeah. lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a rich- I don't know what you want from me. And my, uh, and my a, girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My, uh, my, 